Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, everyone, for episode 75 of the Deep Drive Pod. It has been a while since we've recorded, uh, but uh, thankfully, not too many big... There hasn't really been any league-breaking shifts or, or, you know, players going to new places in terms of, uh, like, the top free agents, no judge signing, no top shortstop signing. Um, but there is still uh, the awards. There are still, you know, uh, you know, free agency has begun, and there are, have been some trades that have gone down. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of get into it. We'll start off with awards, I guess, since those are kind of the we'll, – we'll go in, like, chronological order here. Awards are kind of the big thing we uh, – uh, didn't get to cover when it occurred. Uh, but, you know, I think for the most part, these awards, I don't know of a specific, like, really terrible, you know, voting. You know, there's usually like one or two every year where you're like, where, how the hell did we get this uh, as the MVP or the Cy Young or the Rookie of the Year? Uh, and I feel like for the most part, we they did a really good job with the awards. Um, you know, we can get into you know maybe the nl mvp but that's what like a point one point two you know within the margin of error for wins above replacement and goldschmidt was just so good offensively that you can chalk it up to that um and as for you know the rookie of the year for the al and the nl you know you could have gone either way i think for the nl and gotten a right answer for the american league i don't think it's terrible to say that adley could have won it but julio rodriguez played the full season so um I don't have any quarrels with the awards. I don't know if you do James, but I feel like I am okay with how I'm happy with how the awards turned out. I think this was, they did a great job. Yeah. So Jack's not here. And I know he would have a major problem with the NL manager of the year award, but um, I don't think any of them are really that bad. I, I would have given it to Machado instead of Goldschmidt or Arenado. I think Goldschmidt should have finished third, but um, that's not really a major issue. It's nothing egregious which is rare uh, given the precedence that they've set. Um, you know, a 2020 AL MVP comes to mind as one of the worst ones. But, you know, usually, I don't remember, was was there one last year that we were like, this guy didn't deserve it? I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I'd say awards, they went pretty well. Um, Michael Harris Jr. winning it over Spencer Strider. I don't know if I fully agree with it, but I don't hate it. Like, it's not awful. And I think you can kind of say that about everything. Um, Maybe Brandon Hyde deserved the Manager of the Year award, but at the same time, the Guardians um, were... No one one expected them to be a playoff team, and then they made it, you know, pretty far. So I don't have a problem with that either. I'm not sure about you. Yeah, I'd say like really the only one that you could look at, you know, I, I, I mean, not even the only one you could look at and kind of question. I don't think there was a single one I would question here too much. Um, In terms of like last year, you can say, you know, there was there were legitimate like Cy Young debates. I would have I would have done Wheeler. Last yeah, there, year. I would have voted for Wheeler. But I don't think, again, that's similar to this uh, Machado and Goldschmidt thing where it's like, you know, I would have voted for Wheeler instead of Burns, but it's not a problem that Burns won it. It's not like yeah. he didn't deserve to win it. So, you know, ultimately, I think voting, at least in comparison to years past, and like, you know, we go back 10 years, there are probably more discrepancies. And that's obviously due to us having more data now and being able to look back and say, hey, you know, this guy had more war, you know, this guy should have won it. And I imagine that 
uh, <clears throat> for the foreseeable future, we'll see, you know, the right guys win awards more likely than not, you know, for gold gloves, I know that there's going to be some debate, uh, but also defensive statistics are also kind of, you know, are you a DRS guy and outs of average guy? You know, that's, that's a whole other complex debate that we don't really have a clear answer to. Um, and, and for manager of the year with Francona, I, I still feel like, I, I mean, I, I said, Kevin cash, um, should have won it. I didn't think he was going to. I still stand by the idea that Kevin Cash should be like perennial, perennially at least in the top three. But uh, you know, reevaluating things, Brandon Hyde probably should have won that award just because if you look at like projected wins and then where they ended up at, I'm pretty sure Brandon Hyde by a landslide had the biggest gap uh, in that regard in terms of you know most uh, most wins above projected or I don't know if that I, I'm trying to like kind of word it in the way that makes sense uh but I don't have a problem with Francona winning it I have no problem with you know a guy who takes a team but as you mentioned very young very inexperienced tons of rookies and you know going on and winning an American League Central that I think everyone would have said it's either the White Sox or maybe the Twins winning it I don't think many people gave Cleveland or, or you know the Tigers got a lot of hype that I didn't think they deserved but if there was a third team in that division that people were hyping up it was the Tigers so you know credit to the Guardians credit to Francona I don't necessarily think Francona is the best decision maker when it comes to bullpen decisions or lineup moves but uh those things tend to be very marginal and uh we can't really quantify the effect of a manager on a clubhouse and kind of that leadership aspect to things uh but i think that'll wrap up awards i mean i think we kind of are in agreement with a lot of how things were selected um so you know i don't know if you want to dabble in the world series or just go straight into free agency uh but you know one of the biggest keys to uh that Astros World Series is Justin Verlander, who's a free agent. Uh, you have DeGrom. You have uh, plenty of great starters. Kodai Senga from – I don't know if I pronounced his first name right. Uh, I from, have the – what is it? Ko, how do you spell it? Ko, Kodai? I think it's Kodai. I think it's Kodai. Kodai? Okay. Normally you pronounce the I, but either way, um, he's, he's probably – I mean, where, where would you rank him against all the other free agent starters? He's got to be pretty high. It depends. Um, so I think I'm going to put him in like the tier with like Avaldi and Bassett or like those guys that you could get all-star production see, from perhaps. I don't know. I think, I think he's probably better than both of those guys. I don't know. Just because, so um, shout out to, uh, I don't, I got to figure out how to pronounce his last name, but on Twitter, uh, his at uh, is Lance bro or Lance bro. Yes. Lance bra, excuse me. Um, So he, released a video where he kind of detailed a lot of the pitch metrics like invert uh vertical break horizontal break stuff plus uh for Senga's arsenal and he was talking you know about how Senga's fastball actually only got a 17% swing and miss rate in Japan uh which is lower than that 22% league average mark for major league baseball um this the balls are small over there they're pre-tacked it's a little bit you know harder to generate uh vertical break and the at the major league level because of the baseballs in comparison to Japan. So there are some uh, issues with spin efficiency or spin rates that sometimes can occur, uh, but it's the splitter, the fork ball or, or you know, off speed. Uh, it's called the ghost fork. That happens to be his best pitch at a 60% swing and miss rate. Um, I, I don't, the slider's all right. The slider's pretty good. It, it grades out above average and stuff. Plus the cutter is a meh pitch, but it's, it's, I don't know how Senga translates in year one. I don't know if Senga is like, I think Senga is very clearly, um, a project pitcher. I think he needs a year at the major league level to kind of develop a little bit. So I don't know if I can necessarily call him the better than Ovaldi because I kind of know what I'm going to get from him. I feel like 
or even better than Bassett, just because I kind of know what they're going to get from those two, which is above average major league production. And I'm not certain Senga can give me that in 2023. I think he can in 2024, but I'm a little concerned. I mean, I don't know if you really, can you really make that argument that, you know, you trust a guy in 24, but not 23 when he's already 29 years old. It's like this guy is, you know, going to change that much. Maybe there's a little adjustment period in April or May, but I don't think it's going to be like a full season thing. Um, Especially... The teams that are interested in him, I've seen a lot of uh, names go around, but it's I, I've seen the Mets, um, I've seen the Cubs, I think the Giants. So they're all pretty big market teams, which kind of leads me to believe that he's going to be in for a pretty big contract, um, maybe even four to five years, uh, but I'm not sure. Um, I, I mean... It's it's weird because again we're trying to project the player stuff wise how they'll translate to the major league level and that's extremely difficult especially since we're talking about different baseballs different uh, run environment again he could also like he doesn't use his splitter that much even though he probably should use it around twenty percent of the time if he increases it to thirty percent usage and cuts the fastball from forty four percent to like under like like what Otani did with his slider and fastball he used his slider as his primary pitch and his fastball kind of became uh took a backseat to that pitch that's kind of inherently a way to make yourself better it could just be a pitch usage thing I think he mentioned he wants to go to a very analytically minded team if I'm not mistaken I think that was a report I saw right it says that he's versed in or wants to learn more at least in the tweet that I think that's the same one as you saw yeah um yeah I mean obviously he's a he's a really hard throwing pitcher uh like for a starter, I think he's run it up above a hundred. Um, yeah, he's hit I think one hundred one point something. It rounds up to one hundred two, so it has to be like one hundred one point six, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, so I mean, obviously that'll translate. Like yeah. the the velocity will definitely translate. That's nothing to be concerned about. Um, which sometimes is an issue. This is more so something that we say about the Asian hitters, whether it's Korea or Japan, where they're coming from. Um, but when they come from the KBO or NPB, um, a lot of the times it's like, oh, can they hit fastballs? Because, you know, they're not seeing fastballs as fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with him throwing, like a lot of the, yeah, like a lot of the pitchers who come over from Korea and Japan uh, don't throw 102. They're like finesse guys who throw 90, 93. Um, but he doesn't really fit in that mold. Obviously, neither does Shohei Otani, but. Uh, we've seen Otani have success at the major league level. Um, and I think Senga's stats are pretty similar uh, to Otani's pitching-wise. Obviously, he's 10 years older or whatever than Otani was when he came over because Otani was, what, 2021? 20, yeah, I, I Otani was – he had to be – I, mean, I think he was older than that, right? Or was, or was he like 23? Three. I'm not I, sure, but I know he's he, a lot yeah, younger. He was 23 his first season, so yes, and he then, was significantly younger. So Sanga's younger. 29, he'll be 30, so it's a seven-year difference. Um, but, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's going to want to go to a contender. I'm, I'm reading that, too. So, I don't know. Maybe I think the Mets make sense. The Padres make sense. Uh, Yankees make sense. Like, I don't think there's a team that couldn't use him, especially given that, you know, if you think – uh, if you think you can, uh, you know, kind of unlock him, I guess, or figure out how to help him translate to the major league level, you can get one of those high end arms for a pretty decent price. I feel like. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, there there is like 
the upside here, it, it, I mean, it's just a matter of this, the, the thing, again, that concerns me is the lack of swings and misses on the fastball. The velocity is great. Great run on the fastball. It gets, you know, 12 inches of horizontal run, 17 inches of vertical break, which is really good. Um, it's just, is also his delivery. Um, so the way he delivers the baseball is very up down. So it's not deceptive at all. Batters kind of expect uh, that rising fastball kind of effect because of his delivery. It's very over the top. Um, so the one thing is too, though, that because he gets a lot of vertical break on his fastball and because his uh, fork ball drops a lot, there's 16 inches of vertical separation. So there's going to be a lot of swings and misses generated um, at the major league level. Maybe it's a matter of maybe, like perhaps like perhaps the location of his fastball was a problem too. Maybe he's not being aggressive enough up in the zone. We don't really know these things. Um, so you know why he's getting a low swinging strike rate could or swing and miss rate could be directly could be something that a team figures out. Also with TrackMan over there, it's not nearly as consistent at the major league level as the major league ones. So perhaps when a team gets to look at him, they'll be able to you know kind of figure it out from there. It's I mean. It, at some point, you know, having just having an elite pitch at that fork ball and having remarkable velocity, you, you just you'll you'll buy high on that um, any day of the week. And I don't you mentioned there's a lot of suitors. I don't and I don't know if they're all going to necessarily bid themselves into ridiculous contracts just because there's a lot of uncertainty with his game because it's, you know, overseas. So you don't really the data you're getting on him isn't, you know, what you usually are supposed to be getting for a free agent um, and then the uncertainty of whether he'll translate or not. Are we going to see a massive contract? Probably not. And I think that'll entice a lot of teams who are trying to have a big offseason. I really do think the Mets are a great fit here because they may want to get Senga and then they want to go and shop at the top of the free agent market. That just makes a lot of sense for them. They don't have to pay the qualifying offer as well, uh, the pick for the qualifying offer as well, which is going to be a big incentive for a lot of teams to push for Senga. I think it comes down to San Diego or the Mets. I would like to see him on the Yankees because I'm a Yankees fan, but I don't think it's happening. Uh, maybe Boston, but I think it's San Diego or the Mets at this point. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Cubs are also in there um, as they're kind of in with everyone. I think the Giants are also going to be uh, trying to have a huge offseason. So I don't know. Uh, I think any of those four teams, I wouldn't be surprised. Also, Boston. Again, I'm I, I'm listing a lot of teams here. I don't think you can say like San Diego, the Mets. I think it's a little too early for that, especially given, you know, what we, you know, with other free agents, it's more, you know, obvious, like it seems – it seems like we know for sure at this point that the Cubs are going to make a splash with a, with a shortstop. It seems pretty much inevitable. And then with Judge, it's basically down to two teams uh, with the Yankees and Giants. Um, I guess the Mets are in there, but I'm not sure. I yeah. There was a whole issue with that report. Um, I, I, want, I want to clarify. I don't think it's just down to those two. I just, if I'm taking a guess at this point, I'll say it's one of those two. Uh, but as you mentioned, yeah, we we can't know for a while. Um, but I, I'm interested to see. And I guess the other, uh, you know, J Japanese player that we're going to be introduced to in the 2022 season or 2023 season is Masataka Yoshida, who I believe the Yankees, Phillies, Mariners and Red Sox. Are those the four teams I remember being involved in that? There has to be more maybe. But those are the four I remember off the top of my head that have like connections, reported connections to Yoshida. Um, I think he's going to be like the high contact league average to slightly below league average power. And if things work out, he should be like a 300 hitter with a high OBP and slugs, you know, 460, um, and is like a top of the lineup type of guy. Um, 
I, I think that this year, the I think he's clearly not better than Seiya Suzuki as a talent. I think Seiya Suzuki, you know, the the out the upside there because he's also younger is like he goes out, he puts up like a one thirty five WRC plus, and it's thirty plus. Yeah, but I do think the one thing that we didn't realize about Seiya Suzuki last year when we were um, looking at him, and maybe maybe this is something that he'll figure out, is that his defense is not good. It's really bad. Oh, and he it, plays. Yeah. Um, he plays he plays right field and he can't defend out there. I, he's probably a DH, to be honest. Um, I was talking dec- more about the bat. He had a decent year at the plate, one sixteen WRC plus, but you know he could he could go out and you know he's projected by Steamer to hit one twenty eight next year, uh, which would obviously be a huge step up. And I'm sure he'll stick. Like he has the type of skills that will translate pretty much no matter what. You know, good good bat to ball skills, good walk rate. Um, you know, stuff like that, that you can kind of look at as things that won't change with the um, style of pitching that he's seeing. Obviously, we know um, that Suzuki coming into next year is going to be one of the starting outfielders, so he'll get it, he'll get a shot. I just think Sanga probably, given that Suzuki's such a bad defender i don't know i feel like i feel like sang is probably a better prospect so, oh i meant yoshida versus suzuki oh yeah no 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 no. I, i'm not I, I wasn't gonna compare a pitcher with a hitter i don't I have yeah no i was idea. i was confused about that at first yeah, yeah i no. mean no but yoshida i think uh what's He's his good. last name matsu it's masataka yoshida that's his first yeah. last name the problem is his go. defense isn't supposed to be very good as well. So that's like I, the way I view it is like if his defense is also bad, I'm taking Suzuki's bat. And I'm not saying this to like put down Yoshida. I really like Yoshida, but just kind of like looking at what a potential contract would look like, I think he's going to get less than Suzuki did just based on the he's hype. Also, but he's way younger. Suzuki? No, no, no. Yoshida's almost 30. Am I looking? Uh, I think we're talking about different players. Yes, we're probably talking about different players. I, okay. I'm talking about Masataki Yoshida. I'm pretty sure he's turning. Oh, he's yeah, he's 29. Yeah. Okay, he's I was 30. looking at. Um, I was thinking of someone else. Let's see who I was thinking of. But yeah, I was thinking of another pitcher. Uh, let's Yamamoto? See, Yamamoto. He's good. Uh, he, I think he's going to get. He's pretty good. But because he's younger, he's 23. Yeah, he's a young kid. He, I think he'll be someone we'll see later, but that's not this year. That's that's a discussion for a podcast in a while from now. But like, yeah, for sure. Uh, for Yasha Tak, I mean, for Masataka Yoshida, like, it depends on how. Like as you mentioned, the defense for Suzuki was terrible, but his arm is really good. So maybe it's just a matter of the range is terrible. But maybe it's a matter of like getting comfortable out there. I don't really know. For Yoshida, I think if you got say a Suzuki. OPS or WRC plus, and then not horrific off defense. I think a team would be very happy with the production they're going to get from him. Um, especially as someone who I think is going to translate more in that OBP category and less in the slugging department. Um, so as a top of the lineup type of guy that could work, um, you know, again, the tools just aren't as impressive as Suzuki's was Suzuki. And was even like, not just the tools, also the stats, like Suzuki was putting up 1100 OPSs every year in Japan and, uh, uh, Yoshida's at what nine, nine, nine sixty, nine eighty, which obviously isn't obviously not bad. Like you'll take that, but I don't know. 
the way I look at it though is Yoshida's gonna put up some ridiculously low swing strike rates. He'll be a pat he'll be a pest for a team in the top of the lineup, and that's valuable. I think that's something that some teams definitely can use in the postseason. So I think he'll have a good market. I think I I think if I'm like just looking at it from the perspective of as a Yankee fan, I would rather the Yankees sign Yoshida than Senga. Um because the alternative is Benintendi, who I like, but that's your only alternative, probably. Um, so you know, you can go a lot of different directions in the pitching market. But again, you probably have to sacrifice a qualifying offer at this point if you want to get a top flight arm, unless you're getting no, I, unless you're getting Verlander, right? I think everyone else, you know, Vivaldi, Rodon, Bassett, DeGrom all have qualifying offers attached to them. So you either make a trade or you sign Verlander, and that's the only way to kind of avoid giving up draft picks. But I, I think that we're going to get two good Japanese st- players coming up to the major league level, which is fun to see. Uh, but then kind of the rest of this free agent class, I guess we'll, I, I mean, I've been talking about pitchers for a little bit. So um, I, I'm curious as to what DeGrom gets because he's, I think we can agree, Jacob DeGrom is on a, like, if if everyone's on the mound at the same time healthy, Jacob DeGrom's the best pitcher in that crop. I don't think that's a discussion, right? Um, but is Jacob DeGrom, because of his injuries, going to pitch enough to produce value worth $40 million a year? And for how many years are you comfortable giving him $40 million a year? Because you can say, well, if he's healthy in October, you can't guarantee that. You I, cannot never, guarantee I, any, I, I, right? I could borderline guarantee you he won't be it's it's weird you have to you you have to uh you have to you're taking a risk but the upside is you have the best like the upside is you have the best pitcher in baseball and he'll put up a historic season um fully healthy that's the upside and and you know that is like he could i mean think about it with his stuff right now he could go out and post like an eight war season in 160, 170 innings type stuff. Like he, not eight war, maybe seven war, seven war. I think is a little more uh, realistic for a high, for like a very ideal outcome here. I mean, he, he's remarkable. There's no other way to put it right. There really isn't, but I feel like all of this, all these rumors just seem like smoke and mirrors to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't, I can't see a scenario where he's not a Met next year. I can see a scenario where his medicals aren't the best and the Mets pivot for Verlander because they don't, and they get a, I, I can see it because if you're the Mets, you won a hundred games last season and you did it largely without the contributions of DeGrom. However, on the contrary, on the flip side, you get swept without DeGrom. So it's, it's it's a weird situation. I, I I agree in the sense that if the Mets yeah, and match... like you're saying, if he was healthy in October, he was healthy in October. Yeah, obviously he wasn't healthy up to that point. Um, but he he I mean he turned it a great start in game two. Uh, he's the reason you won that game. I don't know. I think they bring him back. I think it. I think the one thing that I agree with you with in terms of like the rumors, I think it's BS that a team's going to just blow the Mets off or out of the water. I think if the Mets, if the Mets want DeGrom back, they will get, get him back. back. Yeah. It's and just, if, yeah, it's just a matter of whether they're willing to pay him or not. No team is going to outbid the Mets for anyone. And I don't think anyone like even, even judge, if the Mets want judge, they'll get judge. They, I think, I mean, yeah, if they, but the thing is they'd have to, the problem is the, I think the problem boils down to, how badly the Mets want the Grom. And like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know the situation with the Mets desire for the Grom. I don't know how badly they want him. I don't know. I don't know. But as you mentioned, like they can, they can get anyone. 
anyone on this market. They they are going to be involved in every top free agent on the market. And, you know, just like people said, they had no shot at, at Scherzer. You know, they they had a shot at Scherzer because they have money. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Uh, but I think DeGrom... I'm I'm gonna say I, I want I'm I guess I guess I'll put him staying with the Mets, but I'm not gonna really do a heavy prediction there. Uh for Verlander, where do you think he goes? Because do you think the Astros are gonna be oh, as inclined? Do you think he's they're gonna they're gonna be inclined to give him what he wants? I don't think they can let him go. I know interesting. I know they have like a lot of pitchers, obviously. And Brown, I think, is really good. So I think if if they under the circumstances they do lose Roland, I don't think it's that big of a downgrade. Um to have Valdez as your ace and then um obviously you like your from Verlander to your five starters a pretty big difference, but it's not like the other thing about Houston is I think if they lose out on Verlander, they'll probably just go sign, you know, some middle tier guy. Like I don't know why. I just have like a sneaking suspicion that they might sign a guy like Noah Syndergaard and turn him into Justin Verlander you know what I mean yeah not not like obviously not right no Justin Verlander but like do a similar thing where you know Verlander looked like his career was kind of over and they kind of they fixed him right um I definitely think that's I I think Syndergaard is fixable and I think that in the right scenario that could happen I think Houston might be that place I just don't know if you know the Astros have not shown any sort of loyalty to their stars um, in the same way that a lot of other typical big market teams in, you know, this like dynasty, um, type of mindset, right? Like it's very, it's not very often that your team gets into their franchises in the mindset that like you are a dynasty and you want to keep it together, but the Astros don't even seem to think like that right now. They're like, they let Correa go, they let Springer go and they're still winning titles. Is Verlander just the next one? Probably. Uh, he probably is. So may- maybe, you know, New York, either team for Verlander makes sense. Um, I could see him with the Dodgers. I could see him basically any big market team um, with championship hopes. I I think Seattle would be fun, but I don't know if they'll be able to do that or be willing to do that. I don't think it'll be Seattle. I think it'll be the Dodgers. I The Dodgers cleared up a lot of salary. There's interest there. Obviously, I mean, I imagine I'm going to just go out because I, I know that the comparison I'm going to use, I have to like put a lot of heavy pretense of I don't think the contract will play out the same. But they the contract they gave to Bauer, very I think that'll be the exact same situation with Verlander. They're going to give him a three-year deal, high AAV, they like doing this. They like giving out those short-term high AV deals because they can afford it. And they don't like to pay players for a very long time because they like to work through three-year windows. Um, obviously, I imagine the contract doesn't play out the way Bowers did. I just want to clarify that. But you get what I'm saying, right? You know, pitcher who's going to get a lot of money on a short-term deal. The Dodgers kind of arise and go out and get him. Uh, they are a team that could use, they kind of need a, a front line, you know, to, they've always had great pitching in the past. I feel like, you know, they're losing, they lost Anderson. They're going to lose Heaney. Um, maybe they won't lose Heaney, but you know, he's a free agent. Well, they he already lost Anderson. It's... Yeah, I said that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think yeah, they're going to lose him. No, I meant Heaney. They're, they're, they might lose Heaney, but he's maybe. a free agent. 
Um, as for, you know, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, you know, these are guys that you don't really know if you're going to get a full season out of. Bueller's coming off Tommy John. Urias is your, your workhorse. You know Urias is going to give you a lot of innings and give you quality innings as well. I feel like going out and getting a guy like Vern Lander, a lot of innings, great production, still going to be playing behind a great defense, still going to be playing for a great organization analytically. I think that just makes a ton of sense. Um, a fly ball pitcher in Dodger Stadium compared to Houston. I mean, Houston's a band box. So I imagine that Verlander isn't going to have any ballpark issues. Um, so I think it's a good fit there. Um, and I think that's what ends up happening. I don't think the Yankees are going to, I think the Mets could also be another that team, but I don't think the Yankees are going to be doing that. Just, I don't think the Yankees are allocating $40 million a year to a starting pitcher. Uh, even though I think they should be a team that does stuff like that. I don't think they will. They have to sign judge. So, uh, there's that. I look at, you mentioned that you have, uh, do they have to sign judge? Yes, absolutely has to absolutely have to. Their outfield's terrible. It's Cabrera. No, I'm not saying like, do they have to? I'm just saying, will they? Like, yes, I think they they have to. I mean, they they like financially. What are like? You have to remove the judges' chambers. The chase for 62 gave them record views for Yes Network. The stadium was rocking in meaningless September games because of Aaron Judge. Like the Yankees need Aaron Judge. They need this guy. Financially, he is a big part of what they do. They can generate revenue without him, but it will not be the same as it was last year without Aaron Judge. Um, and quite frankly, he's your best player. He's homegrown. There's no reason to not have him on your team next year. I think it'd be insane for the Yankees to not sign him. Uh, you know, you could say, well, they could sign Correa and they could do this and that, but that your outfield's still going to be dog shit. Your outfield's Cabrera, Bader, and it's Hicks, Cabrera, and Bader. It's not a good outfield. It's, it's not a good outfield. It's an outfield. This is a team that will finish in third place if they don't have Aaron Judge, unless they do something crazy, like insane. Uh, but I don't see foresee that happening. So has to have to sign Judge. I don't think it's a 100% chance, obviously, but they, they absolutely need to. Um you mentioned Syndergaard. Syndergaard's actually working with Tread Athletics. And if you guys aren't aware, you know, Mitch Keller was a guy who was a big velocity uptick and he had the best ERA minus of his career last season. Um, he worked with Tread Athletics. He went from a guy throwing in the low 90s to a guy who could hit 99, 100 miles an hour. Syndergaard's someone who's coming off of a season where he had lower velocity. His sinker still had a negative 12 run value, which is really good, but it averaged under 94 miles an hour. Um, could we see Syndergaard potentially go out and add a couple ticks to his fastball? If he's sitting 94, 95 next season, throwing a little bit of a harder slider, um, could he be a more effective starter? Absolutely. I, I don't. I think the Astros could go out and get a guy like Evaldi, though. I do think, you know, Evaldi's another guy. He, he had diminishing velocity coming off of an injury. He's a guy who I think has much better stuff than Syndergaard does. Um, I think the the floor for Evaldi is if he's sitting 95, he's still better than Syndergaard is sitting 93. Uh, so the upside is Evaldi's throwing like 96, 97. And could you imagine Nathan Evaldi with, with the Houston Astros pitching staff or pitching development? Like, oh, it would be not ridiculous be... velocity or, or regardless is VAA. Those and not just, angle. not just velocity, his ridiculous stuff in general. Yeah. Like the pitch, I mean, his splitter's amazing. His curveballs are remarkable. He has to add some of his um, some of his uh, vertical drop back on his sinker, uh, but uh, not sinker slider. But the splitter's great. Curveball's great. Fastball velocity, if it comes back, it'll be a great pitch again. I think that's like a very good fit, actually. The only problem is they'll have to sacrifice draft picks, and I don't know if they're willing to do that. So maybe they're more likely to sign a guy like Syndergaard, or maybe they just bring back Verlander. Crane is kind of. Uh, crazy when it comes to money sometimes. So maybe he's just crazy enough to do it, right? Maybe that crazy son of a bitch is willing to give Verlander the money he's asking for. Or maybe the market just kind of depreciates, you know, says we're not, no one's offering you $40 million, Verlander. 
So he's going to bring his price down a little bit. We'll see. Um, but you know, we're I gone. don't know about that. I feel like someone will offer him $40 million. Oh, I agree. But I, I, the Astros I think he's, I think he's definitely worth $40 million. He's won the Cy Young two years in a row. I thought like, obviously not two years in a row, but two seasons that he's played in a row, obviously he missed 2020 with the injury and 2021, but you know, he's a guy who's the question coming into this year was whether he'd be able to return to form after the injury. And he did. So I don't know what you could say against him like he's 40 but he's been old yeah i guess five years yeah no i don't have a problem with paying him 40 million dollars i just don't know like i don't know i think it's the it'll be like either the the mets or the dodgers maybe the astros but i don't see i think it'll i think we'll figure i think it's gonna very much be like the max scherzer market where it was a battle between the dodgers and the mets at, basically at the end It'll be a battle between maybe two or three teams towards the end after kind of Verlander whittles down or withers down. The team's not willing to go to that extra mile to get him. I think you could argue the top pitching option on the free agent market is Carlos Rodon. You could argue that. Um, He's one of the younger options on the market. He had a second ridiculous season where he was arguably better than he was in his 2021 breakout year. Um, Where do you, where, I don't know where he goes, quite frankly. Uh, because every team could use a Carlos Rodon. It would make sense for almost every team to sign Rodon. I think we're going to see not a lucrative AAV. I think we're going to see a deal kind of similar, maybe a little bit better than Gosman's deal, somewhere in that range. Uh, do we, like, what team, like the Red Sox could use Rodon. They could definitely use Rodon. The Yankees could use Rodon. The Blue Jays could use Rodon. The Orioles could lose, lose, use Rodon. The Angels could use Rodon. The Astros, if they lose Verlander, could use Rodon. Seattle, I mean, what team? I mean, maybe not Seattle as much, but they have great starting pitching. So I mean, but, anyone could use him. He's right. He's going to be like not super expensive. and Right. And he's ridiculous. He's amazing. Like how many teams? And I, he, I feel like, he fits the bill of like, he's not going to get crazy AAV. He's going to be like, there are teams, you can list 10 teams that could reasonably afford him. Minimum, right? I'm just going to go off the top here. Twins could afford him and they should be able to get a guy like him. Blue Jays, Orioles, Red Sox, Yankees, Mets, uh, Phillies. Uh, the Cardinals should be able to afford a guy like him. The Cubs, uh, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Padres, right? Uh, Mariners, Astros, Rangers, right? Yeah, and these are teams that are realistically, you know, a team that could teams that could spend on pitching. So you can name half the league. So he's going to have a lot of suitors. It's going to come down to who he wants to play for, you know, um, how competitive these teams are, their offers, how willing they're going to be to lose a draft pick. I, I, I'm i not as sure about Rodon. For, for DeGrom, I feel like you, if you say Texas or the Mets, I think you could go list Texas or the Mets are going to get him. You could say something like that. You could say for Verlander. Yeah, you think be, Texas? For, the, for DeGrom? I, I don't know if I really believe that. Um, you don't interesting. I mean, I, I I think Atlanta is a team in there for Degrom. I I don't I don't know about Texas. I, it's just it doesn't make sense to me why they would do that. Well, they I mean, suck. They, but here's the thing: how okay? I don't. I'm I'm gonna look at projected standings right how now. How far is Josh Josh Young? Jung. Is it Young? I think it's Young. Isn't Jung it? is it's. I know how you spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it. So it's just to Jung. give you context here, the Jung. Orioles are projected to have a 489 win percentage and the Rangers had a 472. Are we convinced there that the Rangers are so far off from competing that getting some starting pitching wouldn't help them? They're also a team that has Jonah Heim, great catcher, Nate Lowe, right, 
first baseman. Simeon, great second baseman. Seager, great shortstop. Jung is someone I think he should be. I think he was supposed to be ready. Um, he oh, no. actually he, played he, this year. He played this year, but he yeah, he was like hurt though, shit. if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't he? I yeah, because he played. Maybe. I think he came back from an injury, if I'm not mistaken. I could be completely wrong here, by the way. Um, but you know, he. I mean, he's projected to be above average hitter. The defense is a little bit, you know, we don't know yet. Um, I, I, I'm a little concerned because, as you mentioned, he wasn't as good, you know, at AAA. And at the age of 24, you're kind of pushing a point. He's going to be 25 uh, in February, kind of pushing a point where you kind of need to know what you have. Their outfield needs desperate help. This is a team that should be looking at Aaron Judge. Absolutely should be looking at Aaron Judge. I think you have your outfield. Adolis Garcia is going to be uh, play a role in your outfield. Um, they have Josh Smith listed as their starting left fielder. He was acquired in the Gallo deal. He was very unimpressive at the major level. He really couldn't hit for power, um, though he did have a good walk rate. He did not strike out a lot. He just It was just bad, though, for everything else. The quality of contact was terrible. Um, though he is a good defender, he's just it's, he's bad at everything um, offensively outside of, um, outside of being able to make contact and not chasing too much. They need outfielders. I, you know, I think they could sign a guy like Conforto. They should, they, I mean, if they're pitching, they're, let's see, they're projected offense. Um, they're middle of the pack pitching wise. They are bottom of the barrel. They, they are a team that can improve. I think I really do view these guys as, you know, you have John Gray. I think he's pretty good. I think Martin Perez is an above average starter. If you get, you know, Rodon, if you're able to get a full season from Dane Dunning, who's probably league average starter. Um, if not a little bit better at times, he's a little uh, bit weird. He's kind of yeah, yeah, okay. Wow. Yari minus was not great. Never mind. Um, <laughs> the bullpen needs help. They need help pitching wise. They just need pitchers. So if you're them, why not go out and get as much pitching as possible? You know what I mean? Um, why not splurge? Make trades, do whatever you can because you need pitching. Um, they they have a lot of work to do. They are not there yet, but could they get there? Maybe, maybe. Um you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, as for like, you know, I, yeah, I, I still, I think they're going to be aggressive. I do. I don't think they'll be getting Verlander. I don't think Verlander is going to go to Texas. I think they'll be, I think he wants to win right now. I don't think he wants to be part of a rebuild. Um, but yeah, you just maybe, said that they're not part of a rebuild though. You were just arguing no, 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 about no, no, no. how but they, he's, they're still a year away, good. but they should, they should be aggressive. Like they should go out and acquire pitching because they need pitching. Um, and they should try to get better. You should try to get better because you you you've already like you you can get better, and they're going to be entering a contention window soon. But Verlander's in a case where like he's he's going year very much year to year. Uh, for a guy like for a guy, how do I put this? Degrom's career most likely doesn't end in three years. Verlander's career could end in two years if you get what I'm saying. Right, for sure. So. It's a little bit – I think the pressure is a little bit different. I think Verlander is a little bit more like, man, I would really want to win. You know, like I really want to get as many World Series titles as possible. But who knows? Um, so, I, I, you know, moving off pitchers, we talked about Judge a little bit. You know, I think it will go to the back to the Yankees. I could. I don't know who else – I think the Giants are obviously interesting, but who exactly is the team that's going to blow you out of the water for that offer? The Mets haven't shown a lot of preliminary – preliminary interest the Dodgers haven't shown an ability to be willing to give out like these seven eight nine year deals to you know aging guys I think it'll be the Yankees I could be wrong um I'm dying um um but uh Turner Correa Bogarts there are a lot of shortstops on the market 
Um, I I don't know where these guys go. Yeah, they're short stops. Uh, Swanson as well, but Swanson's not as good as those guys. Um, where do you where do you where do you think this shortstop carousel kind of goes? Um, Correa, Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most obvious one. I I don't know. It just feels like that's what's gonna happen. Uh, at least from what I've read, but I don't know. It could it could be anywhere. But I I find it hard to imagine that the Cubs don't get any of them. Yeah, just given how active they've been, you know, they were active in the free agent shortstop market last year. Stuck with, I think I think they got Angelton Simmons, who sucks. It also and won't be Swanson. I'm gonna guarantee. I think it'll be one of Bogarts. It'll be the big ones. It's gonna it's gonna be Correa, it's gonna be Bogarts, or it's gonna be Turner. Right. And I, feel- I think I think if I'm ranking those in in terms of likelihood. Not in terms of how much I want them, but just in terms of like who I think in likelihood, it's Correa, Bogarts, Turner, Swanson. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I think it could. I'm gonna say it's Correa just because I think Correa is young enough that he can afford to wait a year. Um, I don't could, think they're that far. They're they're probably not a playoff team next year, and if they are a playoff team, certainly not a contender. But by 24, 25, right. I'm not. I'm not surprised if. They're, especially with Correa, if they're competing for, um, you know, the NL. Because yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like they're going to extend both Horner and Hap. Uh, let Contreras walk, replace him, I think. So we'll see. But um, Correa, Chicago. Swanson, I think, back to Atlanta. I think Turner goes to Philadelphia. And Bogarts goes back to Boston. I don't know though. Bogarts back to Boston is interesting because I don't, I don't know where else he would would be needed or wanted. I one thing that's interesting with Bogarts is that he's coming off of like a really good, like he's probably coming off maybe his best season in terms of like wins above replacement total value, but didn't hit for power. Right. And he was a great defender, but you buy into it. Right. It's he's a curious he's a curious case of how much you buy into his defense, because if he's general genuinely like a good defender now, um, you know, I could see him in Philly. I could see him in Philly. I think I could totally see that. But I think they want Turner. I I mean, I don't know. I think they I think they're going to go for Turner. And, yeah, you know, I'd be very surprised if they signed two. But it's Dave Dombrowski up there. They could do anything. They also have a lot of money already committed to 2020, uh, 2023. Oh, they have so much money committed. So they don't have a lot of money coming off. And that was like, that was a huge thing. That was a huge narrative throughout the playoffs. So like the Phillies were some, you know, surprise team who, you know, didn't spend as much as the Astros or whatever. And, you know, they were, they were like defying the odds when they had a hundred million dollars more in payroll than Houston did. Yeah. They were defying the odds in the sense that they were an incompetently run team and they, they somehow the won. Series. Right. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to put down Dabrowski too much because there is something to be said about being, you know, aggressive. spending a lot of money. He's yeah, and- super aggressive. And that's something that will, you know, even if it's not the most, it's the same thing with the Mets. Maybe they're not the most analytically sound organizations, but they're Ooh, so aggressive and they spend so much money that it doesn't fucking matter. I think the difference is, I think I trust the Mets to like draft. I don't trust the Phillies to draft for shit. <laughs> I, well, don't I, the, I don't like trust the, the Phillies, Phillies to draft for shit. 
the Phillies made the World Series, and I still think they're a horribly ran organization. Oh, I 100% agree. But Dombrowski also, from a lot of reports, like the people in the organization that he brings on are typically pretty good. He establishes a pretty good environment. I don't even think this is false. No, I mean, like, how do I put this? He, people he like won in Boston. Um, you know, was he with the Marlins when they won too? Uh, I believe so. He was also with those Tigers teams that were very competitive, uh, you know, in that like Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, Victor Martinez, Verlander, Scherzer, Price, that kind of, Price wasn't a part of those, but that, that you get what's happening. Yeah, that, those Tigers teams about. that those probably Tigers should have won at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I think as far as the, the shortstops go, Xander Bogart seems like a Boston lifer to me. I think he goes back. I think the Red Sox are willing to bring him back. I think they are. But then again, like Red Sox fans, from what I saw, kind of turned against him at some point this year. I don't know why. I don't know what, like. I think, well, it's because he was less of a power hitter and the Red Sox struggled with hitting home runs. I believe J.D. Martinez also didn't hit as many home runs. And they also didn't play well. And, you know, the one thing I will say to Red Sox fans, grass is always green on the other side, right? Yes, you can want a new shortstop. And I understand that. Uh, I understand wanting a Correa over Bogarts. Totally get that. 100% get that. Um, But you shouldn't be upset if you bring back Bogarts, especially since I think he's going to get less money than Correa, and especially if they go out and splurge on other positions. Um, here's the thing. They need a shortstop. It can't be Trevor Story. Trevor Story is a worse shortstop than Xander Bogarts is. Um, his arm is not good anymore, right? So you cannot put him at shortstop. He won't be able to play deep. Um, he has great range, which is great, but his throwing is just not, it's not there. Um, he's a great Trevor defensive Story. second. Yeah, he's a great defensive second baseman. You keep him there, and also Story's not a better hitter than Bogarts. I think that's also true. I think there's a f- chance that Story rebounds next year as he adjusts uh, to life without Coors Field and you know fastballs that have a little more vertical break to them. But do you want to bank on that more than you want to bank on a guy who's a 120 to 130 WRC plus hitter every year? You know what I mean? Well, Story wasn't even a 130 WRC plus hitter consistently in Colorado. So how much are we banking on? You, I just don't think it's a right move to leave story at shortstop story's a great second baseman keep him at second base he could be a five more player there because such a good defender right i agree i agree with you you know what i mean so and it's okay to pay a second baseman a lot of money that's okay if they're really good it doesn't matter what position you're investing in so if bogart stays it's not the end of the world for them it's it really isn't It, it really isn't it really is not um now, would you like to have someone else like Correa because you can move, you know, you can keep Correa there for a longer period of time defensively? Absolutely. Um, but again, I just, I don't see a reason for Boston to be opposed to signing him, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, but I do think Bogarts would benefit from playing for a team that could have like, could move him off the position in two years, which is interesting enough. The Yankees would be a great fit for Bogarts. If you think about it on paper, right? The Yankees could sign Bogarts. Use him for now. And then when Volpe comes up, Right, or even give Volpe some time at second base, and when Bogarts is not a good defender, you move him to third base or second base. But I, I am not, the Yankees are not signing Xander Bogarts, most likely. No, no way. I, I mean, that would that no feels shot. so wrong. It, it it feels weird to put him in a Yankees uniform. I would be, I'm dying. Oh my god. Okay, I would be very happy with him in a Yankee uniform because I think he's a good player, and I think the Yankees should want good players. And I'm definitely covering my ass by praising Bogarts in case the Yankees sign him, but. Uh, you know, I'm covering my ass with every free agent. I think the Yankees, they, they were linked to him. SNY linked the Yankees. They did actually touch base with him. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, Bogarts, is a, I think Bogarts ends up back in Boston. Correa goes to Chicago. Turner ends up in Philly. I, I'm I'm sure of this. Yeah. The other, thing I, the other thing I guess we didn't really 
talk about that I think is completely possible is that Xander Bogers goes to LA. Dodge. Ooh, you're right. The Dodgers. You are correct. That because would be they're going to lose Turner most likely unless they pay him, which I wouldn't Correa be surprised could if they also do. Go there. Correa, they yeah, like Correa's Correa. a cub though. That is, I, I think it, there's a, I think it could be Turner to Chicago, Correa to LA. I could see Bogarts in Philly. Maybe. Maybe. And Swanson, he could also end up in Minnesota. Minnesota also likes Swanson. So if they don't end up with Correa, they would have to be aggressive for a And I think, up, I and imagine. I think the Braves wouldn't have that much of a problem letting Swanson walk, just from what I've seen and what yeah. I'm assuming. And there are some reports that Adamas might be moved. So do you think Adamas gets moved if a team that wants a shortstop doesn't get one of the top ones and is like if they out? miss out? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know because I feel like Adamas is just as good as Swanson, right? But maybe I he could be better. He could be better because yeah, I mean Swanson's, I think... Swanson's glove is just so much better than Adamus's though that mm, yeah it was it, it feels like a it's weird it's weird it's a weird situation yeah I mean the shortstops are definitely the most interesting part of the free agent market this year again um I think but it's I, also... Wait, go ahead, it just it just feels like the Cubs and Phillies are going to get theirs and it's just a matter of where the other ones end up yeah and also you know. With shortstops, it's much more top heavy. If you don't end up with a top guy, you're kind of fucked situation. Unless you have like like the Yankees were fucked when they didn't get a top shortstop, right? The Cubs. Well, the other but the other thing is like we're talking about these teams that are guaranteed to get shortstops. But if you look at their rosters, like um, every team that we've mentioned except for Chicago would be fucked. But I just I just don't know if actually I take that back. I know you can say. You know, the Cubs don't get a shortstop and they're fine because they have Nico Horner, who's probably a top 10 shortstop in his own right. Yeah, I, I don't think... Um... Like, what's Philly doing if they don't get a shortstop? Edmundo Sosa? Bryson Stott? Maybe Stott will turn into something? I don't know. Yeah, I think the way I look at it is like... How do I put this? Um, The... The 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 those those top teams like you mentioned they need one like the Yankees don't have to get one just because they're if they're they were already committed to Praza and Volpe so whatever it it is what it is and even if I'd like them to it is what it is I'm okay with this reality as you mentioned Philly if Philly had a really good shortstop do you think we're looking at a team that potentially has a World Series title right they struggled to hit in the postseason in those last I don't two know games, I think those the last Astros probably still beat them. Maybe. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, they. I feel like the Phillies would. The Phillies are going to look at this offseason and say, "We have Harper, who actually is hurt, so that's a little bit of a, you know, you have to have, you know, Schwarber and Castellanos. Those signings, Castellanos looks like a just such a terrible signing, but um, shortstops the position that they can upgrade. They also they also let go of Segura, so they're going to need infield help regardless. Um, I don't really think they can afford to not get a shortstop. They need a second baseman and a shortstop. You could say Bryson Stott. Um, I, I like Stott, but I don't think I like him as a shortstop, like, long-term. Yeah, so you need an infielder at least, right? They're fucked if they don't get an infielder. I don't think – I think the, the Dodgers could withstand, maybe, maybe withstand lose, not having a shortstop just because if they upgrade other positions, just because they happen to have – you know, like, they could put Lux at shortstop, and is Lux going to be the worst thing in the world for them at oh, shortstop? Oh, no, absolutely not. Right, you know, he was – he was a 113 WRC plus hitter this year. He has, you know, one DRS and one outs above average last season. That was a very small sample. 
Um, you know, he's a great defensive second baseman, so they might, I think they prefer him at second base. He's got great on base skills. You know, he's a good contact guy. Or I think they're comfortable enough to say he's not the worst in the world. Um, they have Taylor to play second. They have, you know, Muncie to play second if need be, and he can bounce back a little bit. They have Vargas who can play third and is someone that is very exciting with his bat. You know, he's someone that they anticipate to get a lot of production from, you know, um, even, I mean, would you look at the Braves and say if Vaughn Grisham is good enough, they can live without Swanson? Could could you say that? Do you think yes. that's reasonable? Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's gonna be a he's you know he's projected a 111 WRC plus. His defense at second base sucks. His defense at shortstop will probably also suck, which is a little bit concerning. Um, but for a year, not the worst thing in the world. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams that are losing a short that could lose a shortstop. Uh, you'd have what the Dodgers, the Braves, um, Boston. I don't think can live without a shortstop. I think they they need an infielder at least. Arroyo and Story as your middle infield is not good. Uh, you need more. Um, you know, uh, you need they. These are teams. There, there are a lot of teams that could use a shortstop. There are a lot of even teams we haven't mentioned could use a shortstop. The Cardinals. Why, why aren't the Cardinals exploring that that route? You know, Edmonds a great defensive shortstop. Don't get me wrong, uh, but you could put them at second have a shortstop and move a guy like Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman and get, go get like a top flight starting pitcher. Right. You know, they could go out and get Pablo Lopez like this. They could go out and get Sean yeah. Murphy like this. And if they, can and I think it's, moves, I think Murphy might be the right guy. Maybe they'll sign Contreras. I've seen that, um, which yeah. I would hate, but if, I mean, they could go out and do, you know, sign a shortstop trade for Murphy, but it makes a lot of sense. Pitcher. I th- I think it makes a lot more sense for the Cardinals to just sign Contreras and go out and give up assets for Murphy, especially given that Contreras is um, not going to be super expensive on the on the open market. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. He's... But Contreras does have that pick attached to him. Yeah, and also like I don't. Okay, he's not a great defender. We know this, right? Like we're we're aware of this. Um, but he's also a ridiculous hitter. Like it's. He, his market's gonna be interesting. He's a great hitter. I mean, for, for sure. a catcher, he's a ridiculous hitter, right? It, what was it? Let me just check. 132 WRC plus and a max exit velocity of 116.2 miles an hour. I mean, this is a guy who's like, I think it sustains. I think this is legitimately a remarkably good baseball player offensively, if you get what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't have a high strikeout rate. His strikeout rate dipped a lot this season, which is really encouraging. Um, I don't know if that's uh you know, his, his, I don't, he, he chased a lot more this year, but his, and his swing strike rate actually remained the same. So I don't, but his called strike rate dropped a lot. That could do to be due to swinging a little bit more. Maybe, you know, that helps him a little bit. If he's striking out under 23% of the time and barreling up the baseball must, as much as he does, and, you know, he's hitting the ball as hard as he does, I mean, he's going to have year in and year out. I mean, he was a three-war player in 113 games. Part of that's obviously because he's a catcher. Part of that is, you know, some, you know, I don't think he'll play 113 games next year. I think he'll play a little bit more. Um, Steamer projects him to be a three-war player in 122 games. You know, um, I, I really find it hard to believe, to look at Wilson Contreras. I think he's going to be very underrated in this market. I do. I think a team is going to sign him. People are going to say, ha, look at them. They're stupid. They went out and signed a, a guy who can't frame that much. And Wilson, I don't think people will say that except for like Twitter. Yeah, but like it's my my only perception of society is Twitter. So I mean, you know, yeah, but I don't know. I feel Uh, like I feel like Contreras makes sense to a lot of teams. I thought I thought him to the Astros made a lot of sense during the regular season, but um, uh, Dusty Baker vetoed that. 
which is interesting. I think a team with an open D8 situation would be perfect here. Like, absolutely perfect here. An There's also D8. the possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if we just signed it back. Yeah, that, that could happen. Especially since who's your catcher right now? Uh, Is it Jan it Gomes? Be Jan Gomes, Miguel yeah, Maya. I, I think. I mean, I, I think the Cubs are fine with having a shitty catcher next year, but at the same time, Contreras makes a lot of sense to just bring him back. Maybe two, three-year deal. $20 million a year. Yeah, and also, like, you know. Like, I'd give, I'd give him three years, $60 million. I, I, the way I look at it with him is like, if you're the Cubs, why not explore it, right? Like you don't have anything to lose. I think Amaya no, is going to get a things sh- to lose, and that would be money, dollars. Yeah, but like the Cubs, the Cubs are going to be. Sw- I mean, if you make, I don't know, depends on how many years you commit. But, the, but then again, the Cubs like next year are looking at a team. I think looking at a team that could, um, you know, with their lineup, they've got certain guys set, but it could look a lot different. And then the rotation is a lot deeper than I think a lot of people are realizing, um, especially if Wisniewski can be a good major league pitcher um, for a full season next year, which I have no doubt that he will be. I think you're. We also have to look at the fact that the Cubs are a team that is gonna they're gonna shed twenty million dollars after this season with Hayward coming off the books. So if Contreras, if you have three years of Contreras, and I think it'll be, I think that might three to four years might be the one that you get him at. Right. I, I just have a hard time believing he's going to kill you so much. Do you have a set DH even, you know, no, no. Like if he's rotating between catcher and DH and as well, another thing up, is like, even, even if he doesn't live up to what, to his standard, what you expect $20 million for Wilson Gutierrez isn't going to turn into a Jason Hayward contract. He where, can hit. That's the situation he can hit. So like, even, even okay. if he's, not you know the same hitter even if he's a 110 wrc plus hitter instead of whatever he's at right now what was he at one 125 but i don't know i just trust him to to be able to hit enough that he'll make that contract worth it yeah and on top of that um you know as you mentioned with the pitching west nesky is absolutely phenomenal i am very very excited to see how Wes Nesky is able to do over a full season. Justin Steele's a great pitcher. He's someone who is going to push, you know, the top 30 of a lot of starting pitcher lists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Justin I don't know. Steele. Yeah. I thought my computer froze. It did not. So you can still hear all that matters. Um, Justin Steele is going to be a, you know, he's going to push a lot of top 30 starting pitcher lists. Um, and we're going to see a lot of progress. I think Stroman's going to pitch a lot better next year. Um, and if not, what he gave you this year isn't bad. Wes Nesky, Stroman, you know, uh, a full season of, st- you know, stealing that conversation. If they sign a starter, you know, I could see them in the market for Rodon. I think Rodon would make a lot of sense for the Cubs just based on, you know, power pitcher, big strikeout arm. The Cubs could need, I think the Cubs need some more strikeouts in that rotation, that pitching staff in general. So, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, um, with strikeouts right now, it's kind of, um, you know, Wisniewski's a good strikeout pitcher, I guess. Steel. But these guys are ground ball pitchers for the most part. Stroman. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I think the Cubs will be in the market for that. But uh Senga could be the guy for them. He could be. Um, you know, I, I'm just it's, I'm very I don't know. It just seems like a perfect fit to me. No, that's that's totally fair. I mean, I'm curious to see I'm really curious to see how that plays out. 
that entire situation with their free agency. They are going to be a big, they're going to be a mover in this market. If you get what I'm saying, they're going to determine a lot of outcomes for a lot of other teams because they're going to be aggressive. Uh, they're going to spend quite a bit. They're involved in a lot of big free agents. They're going to move the market. You know, they're going to be the team. They're going to be a team, not the team. I think the Mets and the Dodgers will play as big of a role, if not bigger, but they're going to play a huge factor into how, um, how, different situations go out. You know, they could drive up the price for some of the shortstops. They could push some teams out of contention for a shortstop. Um, they could blow Rodon out of the water with an offer. They can, you know, blow Senga out of the water with an offer. They could disrupt the catching situation if they bring back Contreras. They could go out and trade for a guy like Sean Murphy, right? They can do a lot of things that would very much change the landscape of the market for a lot of teams. So I think they're going to be big players in this market. I think the Mets are, the Dodgers are, um, I, I wonder if the Yankees are. I think Judge is their big signing. I guess that is a big play. You know, that kind of does shift the market a lot. Um, oh, absolutely. What are you talking about? Kind I mean, of, I guess it's it, more it, so it's because... It's the biggest play. I guess, but I mean, the way I see it is like, how do I put it? I think Judge is the most likely but I, of all I also, guys to return. If you I also saying. don't think that Judge... Um, like, I don't think very many teams' plans are contingent on Judge. Whereas, like, a lot of teams will be, like, those shortstops, where one of them signs affects 10, 15 teams. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting Whereas, at Whereas, like, here. where Judge signs doesn't really matter to anyone except for New York and San Francisco. Right. Where, like, I just, I don't think the suitors are necessarily, like, how do I put it? If you're a team and you're like, you know, I'm going to explore the market for Trey Turner. I think that's different than saying I'm going to explore the market for Aaron Judge. I think you can't explore the market for Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is not a guy who's going to be like, I bought, I got him on the buy low. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas you can say one of the shortstops perhaps had their market fall a little bit, you know? And because of this, uh, you know, the Yankees or let's say the, I don't know, the twin, not the twins, the Yankees, uh, you know, the, Cubs maybe swooped in and got Turner instead of Correa because they pivoted and, you know, Turner was the last guy left. Um, or maybe, you know, even Bogarts. You, you could see a world where the Yankees get Bogarts because his market isn't as strong as it should be or a lot of teams aren't comfortable throwing him at shortstop. That would That's a realistic situation. Or the, or the Giants, right? The Giants are like, we swooped in and got him because uh, uh, the other teams in the market weren't you know, as aggressive for him. These are realistic situations. I don't think these are unrealistic situations, if you get what I'm saying. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that this, these are all things that could happen. I wouldn't we'll be surprised by any of them. Yeah, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah. Um. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you in episode 76. 76. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.